peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Good singing today, I would say. Good, good singing today. And, you know, every the, 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 the students are in the school, and you've been with them at homework. Fourth grade's one of those different years. Instead of the teacher saying, well, now we're going to sit down, and here's what we're going to do, the teachers say, turn to page 15, get your pencil, and let's go. And it's a whole different thing. Fourth grade's different, huh? Yeah, you're not little, little first graders or anything. You're, you're big. So have you got to the point in school where you've taken a test yet? You have. How'd you do? Yeah. yeah. So I thought, in, because it's school, I thought I would give you a quiz today. Yeah, yuck. Perfect. That's good. So what I did, I, I Googled this week common things that fourth graders should know. So you guys are going to dominate your parents and grandparents on this thing today. This should all be stuff that's fairly common knowledge. So should we do it and see what it is? Well, I like your enthusiasm. <laughs> Fourth grade geography. The largest ocean on the earth is the Indian, the Pacific, the Atlantic, or the Arctic Ocean. No, just yell it out. It's okay. It's church. Pacific. Very good. All right. And, and you, guys did, you guys did pretty good. About 40% of you knew what that was. Solid. <laughs> so that's fourth grade geography. You all pass. How about a literature question? Which of these can be defined as goods or cargo transported for pay? Freight, items, barter, or bargains? Yeah, it's a little different, right? Okay, so listen now which is it, one choice, one word. Yeah, it's not an essay question. We're going to get to the essay questions in a minute. Which of these can be defined as goods or cargo transported for pay? Freight, items, barter, or bargains? Freight. Good. It is, right? I give you 10 bucks and you carry my donut out there and give it to someone else. Works perfect. So now we got to do a science question. This is fairly easy. I thought it was simple. Which of these goes from a seed? An ant, a donkey, grass, TV, or caterpillar? Now, if there's a fourth grader that doesn't know that, then we're going to have to have a serious talk with Dr. Hollitz because that's <laughs> fairly benign. Okay, what do we miss? We've got geography, literature, science. We still need to have math. Good. History. That's my girl said, Dad. That's good. Math question. All right. Now, I don't want you cheating and writing in your hymnals, Mom and Dad. There'll be no... If I find mathematics in your hymnal, I'll pop a picture and I'll find out who's writing in their, in their hymnal. So, How many textbooks are on a bus of 20 children with five textbooks? Nope. <laughs> a, just wait now. You gotta, see, whoever the little guy who said that was, you are me, because that was me. Okay. How many textbooks are on a bus of 20 children with five textbooks each? 40, 60, 100, or 75? 100. That's what I'm talking about. That's so good. 100, right? I love it. I think you guys got an A. I think you got an A. You got an A plus on your singing, and you got an A plus on your quiz today. So it's just kind of fun, right? You, you, you smile, you have a good time. There's some of those answers that are so simple, but the questions are kind of benign. You know, you, you figure that out. and uh, It's funny. I was always the ADD kid who, who got my homework done first and then had to go back and correct it all. You know, the teacher would say, 
always say, it's not a race, Timothy, it's not a race. And there's a question for you. Who am I? Who am I? Well, do I answer that question according to what I possess, what I accomplish? Am I defined by the people outside of me or in Christ alone? Who am I? This is the uh, essay part of the quiz this morning. And your parents are, they're going to think about this. And we're going to grind on this before we crank out an answer because I think we spend a lifetime grinding on this. I really believe that. Who, who am I? And as soon as you figure out who you are, then you got to figure out where you're going. And we wrestle with that at certain moments in our lives. A, a fourth grader wrestles with who I am in a different way than, say, a 40-year-old person does. And for a, for a fourth grader, it's kind of laid out. Here's who I am. I am a son or daughter of my parents. I am a student at school. I am a soccer player. I am a quilter. I am a, you know... I, Whatever they like to do, they kind of put that in. I'm a sister, I'm a brother, and that identity kind of goes with them. But, but it becomes more problematic the kind of more ambiguous life becomes. You could say, I am a Lancer, a Lutheran High Lancer. I am a Crean Saint. I'm a Villa Park Spartan. I am a USC... Yeah, that's sad for them this week. But... Uh... <laughs> But you kind of go through that, and then when you graduate from college, you say, now, now what am I? Who am I? And each one of us has to answer that question at some point in our lives. And how we answer that question determines where we go. And that's not an easy thing to answer. Some of you would sit and you'd say, you know what, I'm a worker, and this is my job, and this is what I, what I do, and this is what I've done. And I'm to a point of proficiency in my work, so that when I sit and I say, people nod and go, that's right. And, and you kind of have it all figured out who you are. And, and, and yet there might be that kind of hollowness in your heart. And you say, well, yeah, but there's more. Sure, I solved this business problem. Sure, I brought more customers in. Sure, I made some more dollars. But there's something, there's still something that's missing out of my soul. And kind of trying to figure that out. And when we get to the mid-game of our lives, we get to the mid-game of our careers, that kind of empty, gnawing hole, a pretty rough one to fill. And some guys fill it with stupid stuff. Guys will fill it with recreation. You say, well, what are you? And you say, well, I'm a person that hooks in my boat and goes to the river every weekend. Well, there's a point where you can't get the boat off the hitch anymore. I'm a coach. Well, there's a point where every coach has to kind of give it up. Who are you? What are you all about? And where are you going? Many of us define ourselves by activity. I am a soccer dad. I am a soccer parent. I am a... In our text today from Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul deals with who we are and, and what does it look like to be in Christ. Because it always seems that we kind of gather five or six or 20 other things and, and, and we put them into, say, a basket or in a pie. We say, this is me. 
right here, right now. This is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm all about. And then sometimes those things go away. And, and we left holding the bag and say, wait a minute. I was a spouse, but now I'm divorced. Wait a minute. I was a parent, but now my kids are gone. I was a worker, but now I've retired. So who, who am I? I like to grind on stuff like that. Because I think grinding on stuff like that that's existential makes us better people. Especially when we inform some of that grinding with the word of God. Especially that piece. And you may want to turn to the epistle uh, in your bulletin from Romans 5 verses 1 through 11. In my yard, and I love to do my yard. I, I do it. And, and, and when I do my yard, there's always a truck that comes up and the guy pumps out and he says, hey, I'll do your yard. I'll mow and blow for 20 bucks a week. And I say, that's not happening. I love to do my yard. And one of the things I like to do is put my headphones in and put my radio on and, you know, to 80s rock, I'll do the yard. And we have lantana in our front yard and the lantana is beautiful right now. It's just, with the heat, it's just popping. And there's green hummingbirds all over it. And the hummingbirds go from flower to flower, from thing to thing, and they don't really ever stop. It's they bop, right? Hummingbirds bop, I would say, from thing to thing, from thing to thing. And I got thinking about that as I read this text from Romans chapter 5, that people are kind of like that too. We bop from thing to thing to thing to thing looking for identity. And when that flower, when that thing kind of gives up its fascination for us, then we bop to something else. And then I come to Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. If you're a Christian, what defines your identity is Christ and Christ alone. Now, it may take a while in our culture to, to kind of wind back through all the activities and kind of bop from flower to flower and thing to thing and eventually say, here's where I'll put my feet and here's who I am and here's what I'm really all about at the end of the day. In the New Testament, whenever there's a therefore or a but, man, we're paying attention. So our identity is revealed and, and honed in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. The activities and all the things you, you do, they kind of have a way of fading out in seasons of our lives. But putting our feet and our identity on Jesus is never going to fade and it's never going to run out. Martin Luther thought of God as an angry God 500 years ago. The guy's sitting in a bed grinding on this stuff. Who am I and who is God and what does this look like? And, and finally it came to him as he reads this, that God is angry. When I was a fourth grader, I believed that God was mad. And that somehow God was this big fat guy with a beard in the sky who kind of brought lightning bolts down on people. And it took an understanding from the scriptures and the word of God to be able to stand and say, God loves me for Jesus' sake. See, my identity and your identity is forged in Christ. And that level of identification goes with you here and now and into eternity. Anything that would have blocked God from loving you is taken care of in Christ. 
So the church at the time of Dr. Luther 500 years ago, you kind of kept a checklist in your heart. And if maybe you did five more things good than bad, then maybe you were okay. And you could just go to purgatory and purge your sins maybe for a couple hundred thousand years and finish paying the price for your sins. Dr. Luther read Romans 5. He said, you've got to be kidding me. God is a God of love. God is a God of compassion. God in Christ has made peace with humanity. When our identity is focused on that, there's a foundation upon which we can build a life. Not just make a living, but build a life. And so our sins find reckoning at the cross. Our fears, the things that keep us up at night, have a way of dissipating in the power of the presence of God and His Holy Spirit. And even the pieces of suffering that Paul talks about here, we can take them head on because Christ is with us and Christ is for us. One of my favorite old stories is the story of Ole and Lena. You've probably heard it before, but just bear with me and smile at the end. It'll be good. <laughs> Ole and Lena are out at a supper club in northern Wisconsin and they're having dinner together, and next to them is a young couple, and the young couple is holding hands across the table and looking lovingly in each other's eyes. The man pulls out a ring and puts the ring on the lady's finger. She nods, and they cry together, and they embrace. And Lena looks at Oli, and she says, Oli, why don't we ever do that anymore? You never hold my hands? Every time we come here, you kind of sit and look out the window and I just kind of do my thing. How come you don't ever tell me you love me? Holy said, well, it's like this. When we got married, I told you I loved you. And if it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> now, that's an old joke. And I've told that joke 50 or a million times. But that is not the essence of God's love for you. That is not the essence of God's love for you. God's love for you is sealed in Jesus. And the next piece that Paul writes there just lays that out for us. You see, at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. How does your spouse know that they're loved? Well, I told you once, and when it changes, I'll let you know. Uh-uh. In growing together, becoming one, being able to anticipate from the way the door shuts in the evening that your wife's okay or hot or angry. Oh. Knowing that look on your husband's face when he says, uh, I'm home. And you can read in his eyes that he's home, but he's not really there. See, God's love for us is brought in Christ alone. And that love is found on the cross. He died for us to forgive sins, to bring peace with God, and as a seal of his love for us. We tattoo those crosses on our arms. We buy them, put them around our necks. We... But we are people who are loved because Christ died for us. 
And when he died, he removed the power of sin from our lives. Christ and Christ alone marks us redeemed and forgiven of God. There's no other relationship, there's no other activity that brings the value and the identification that Christ on the cross brings. I love when someone's got a huge tattoo of a cross on their arm. Does anyone here have a big tattoo they can show me? <laughs> you do, really? That's awesome. I'll see it after church. But I'll always ask the guy, hey, I like the cross. What does that mean for you? Say, dude, that just kind of is like a cool symbol. I'll say, yeah. But see, it starts the conversation of identity. You are Christians through faith in Christ who died on the cross. And Christ alone marks us. Not just for here and now, but for life eternal. That next piece of that text. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So Jesus died on the cross, A plus in theology. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and that Sunday we call Easter. Very good. The death of Jesus is the sacrifice for sin, but the life of Jesus is the hope of life eternal. See, one day the season ends. That's just part of it. You can't always, always be an athlete. One day the season ends, you play your last game. One day you, you're, you're going to retire, you're going to go into your boss's office and say, I'm done. But we are not just beings that kind of do our thing and then blow away. We are eternal beings called of God, identified in Christ and Christ alone. My wife and I are going through a season right now. We're trying to figure it out. We're done. How many guys play soccer? A lot? Yeah, soccer's a good game. Yeah. How many guys are soccer parents? Grandparents? Yeah. You know how many miles you're going to put on your Tahoe, Suburbans and the like? I just got rid of my soccer Tahoe. I had 180,000 miles on it. Vegas, Lancaster, I mean, soccer parents nod with me. Vegas, Lancaster, Temecula, the Polo Ground, San Diego. I've been to all those places. This year, we're done. We didn't have a soccer thing. We didn't have any kids playing anything. And it's bizarre. I used to go and put all those games in my calendar. It'd be one on Saturday and one on Sunday. And I'd mark out the Sunday ones and go, go to church. Barb would say, Sarah's got to wear a uniform to church. This is what we got to do. I remember blowing to Lancaster after the 930 service one thing in an old truck, driving as fast as I could to catch the last part of the game. And my daughter played in junior high and high school and college, and last year was her last year. Season is done. And I went to a Zeus Pacific game against Concordia on Friday afternoon, and it, or Saturday afternoon, it, uh, Thursday afternoon, and it just did, uh, yeah, you become senile when your kids are out of school, great. But there's no, uh, no passion in it for me. Just done. We get to those seasons in our lives that are like that, where one door closes and another door opens. And in our lives, we're waiting to see what that next door is and trying to do that patiently. And you're going through that. I know you are. 
There's people saying, but I was rooted in this and now I graduated college and I'm not sure who I am anymore and I'm trying to figure it out. There's people in that mid-game of life with their job and they're saying, if this is all there is, I need something more, something deeper, something grander. There's those people who are waiting to retire and they're saying, man, I got to hang on five more years. But after that fifth year, I'm not even sure what I'm all about and, and who I am. I could tell you who you are. Beyond what you do, what you consume, what you have, and what other people think of you, you are a child of God. And in that identity and through that identity, the decisions you make with your life find a richer, deeper meaning. In the morning, sometimes I'll sit, and I love when it's cool like it is this morning, and I open the big slider, and the wind blows in, and it's beautiful and cool, and I cuddle under the big comforter, and it's just great. And I put my day together. Get up at 5, coffee till 5.30, shower, out the door by 6, church by 6.15, do your Facebook Live thing, finish your sermon. Eight o'clock church, 9.30 church, meeting with the mission team, home in time for kickoff of the Vikings-Lions game. <laughs> Sorry, just being honest. You do the same thing. Tomorrow you'll sit in bed and you'll say, okay, eight o'clock meeting, 9.30 staff, 10.30 this, noon lunch with us, and then that, and then home, and then Dr. Luther 500 years ago, put forward a way to kind of think and how to start your day. Said as he laid in bed and tried to figure out where he was going, his identity was the very important part of how his day began. So he'd lay on his bed and he would say, I am baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And with that, he went out to, to write lectures, to teach, to preach, to care, to pray, to love, to serve, to do all those things. I wonder what that would look like for us, laying in the cool of the fall air in our bedroom with the windows open, the children still asleep, the TV not blaring the news and the market ticker yet. Could just take a deep breath and you would say, Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Christ alone. I am baptized into Christ. And then, with joy, rock solidly attached to the Lord Jesus, you would get after all the stuff you gotta do. I pray that God would grant you that identity and that you would pursue that identity and that that would fill some of the hole maybe that's longing in you. We pray.